Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yellow Noise. I'm Ellen. I'm Polly. And I'm Nisu. This week, we have a very special guest joining us on this episode. If you've been following along with our podcast, his name may be very familiar to you. So we're so excited to welcome Nisu onto our podcast. Hi. Yay. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah. I'm Nisu. I live in the Bay Area. um, And I met Polly in college and Ellen um, about a year, maybe a year and a half after moving to us. So the reason we wanted to bring Nisu onto the episode this week is because we want to talk about different Asian American identities. And as all of you guys probably know by now, both um, Ellen and I are Chinese Americans who grew up in the Bay Area. And Nisu has a bit of a different upbringing and um, also a different ethnicity. And so to start us off, do you want to share with us, you know, what ethnicity you identify with and tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I am Indian American and like a lot of Indian Americans, I grew up in New Jersey, um, specifically central New Jersey about in a town, about five, 10 minutes outside of Princeton. Um, well, this week we're bringing back our past, present, and future structure. So let's start off in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood grew up and how ethnicity played, played a part in that? Yeah. So um, like I said, I grew up in a primarily Indian American household. Um, both my parents are Indian. Um, three of my four grandparents are Indian. Um And the area that I grew up in, it was in like the suburbs of New Jersey, which is largely Indian American as well. Um, So a lot of my friends growing up were Indian American. Um, I was lucky in that um, my high school was super diverse. Um, I actually grew up not knowing that there was a white majority in America until I went to college. And then I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) there's a lot of white people everywhere. Um, But no, like. Growing up, I had friends of like, you know, all different ethnicities, creeds, religions. So it was really nice to grow up in that kind of environment. Um, It both shows you, you know, kind of some of the special aspects of a culture. It lets you appreciate other people's culture as well. Um, And just overall, I think makes you a more like well-rounded person. Yeah, I think similarly, um, we've talked about a little bit of this in the past, but yeah, I also didn't grow up in like a white majority a community and it was majority East Asian and then also South Asian. So I had a lot of South Asian friends too. Um, But I think unlike where you grew up, we didn't have a lot of diversity of non-Asian races. And so it was Mm -hmm. like 80, 85%, maybe even 90% Asian, (laughs) Um, which yeah, is pretty common in a lot of uh, parts of the Bay area. Yeah, your your high school is known to be super Asian from what I recall, (laughs) probably. Yeah. yeah, as for me, Polly and I have definitely talked a lot about growing up on this podcast. Um, grew up with both parents who are Shanghainese. Um, and I didn't mention this before, but I actually grew up really close to my grandparents. Um, they all lived nearby. Two of my grandparents actually lived in our house until maybe like when I started high school. So very close to that Chinese culture growing up. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, most of my friends were Asian in high school. I would say maybe in middle school, I was a little more well-rounded and had more friends of different ethnicities, um, but definitely felt as we were separated by the classes that we took in high school. I did find myself um, to be closer to more Asian people. Do you guys feel like you are more rooted in American culture or your ethnicities culture growing up? So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think on the one hand, my parents, you know, obviously they like cooked a bunch of Indian food and we like had large Indian weddings and, you know, um, we like watch a bunch of Bollywood movies. But then also on the other hand, they try to um, assimilate me a lot to like American culture. So like, you know, we celebrated um, Christmas, even though like, you know, Indians don't really believe in Jesus and we don't. So like we like did all the gift giving and the trees and we decorated and, you know, did Halloween and all that. So I think I think holiday wise, uh, we definitely grew up a lot, you know, with certain parts of American culture and certain parts of Indian culture. But I think day to day, it was a lot more um, Indian. How about you guys? I definitely grew up like 
when I was living with my family, more rooted in Chinese culture. And then when I started college, I feel like that's when I started to branch out and become more American. Uh, like growing up, my parents, like we never ate out. I think we like mentioned frugality before, but as a result, I never tried like any ethnicities food until college, pretty much like the only Mexican I food and Mexican food I had until I was like 18 was Chipotle. And that's because <laughs> a new Chipotle had opened up in our city and they were giving out like free burritos. <laughs> and obviously it was like, I didn't get to order it myself. So it was like this really shitty burrito. And I was like, oh, Chipotle sucks. Not even a burrito bowl. <laughs> no, I didn't even know burrito bowls exist. They were literally like chucking free burritos at the arts and wine festival at people. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, I don't know if it's maybe because I am the second child, but I think by the time my parents raised me compared to my sister, it was a little bit more Americanized um, compared to my sister. Like I for sure would say that I still had pretty stereotypical like tiger parents. And that was very, I don't know, Chinese, but I also think that I thought I was growing up pretty American because everyone around me that I knew was having like a similar upbringing. So I didn't really know that it was like that different from quote unquote, like American, um, childhoods or American living, I guess, until I probably got into high school or college and then realized like, okay, this is pretty specific to like this one part of the Bay area within California, within the country. Um, and so I think I thought I was American and maybe that just speaks to how diverse America is or like how, you know, different ethnicities or identities can be accepted. Um, but I think I learned much more about like American stereotypes or American like idioms and stuff when I got into college or like afterwards. And so I didn't realize like it was that different. I think one example of when I knew how like un-American my family was. Um, okay. I feel like I talk about food a lot, but the story relates to mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> like I told you how I really enjoyed mac and cheese as a child. Um, mm -hmm. And then my grandparents would like try to make mac and cheese for me because they knew I loved it so much. But obviously they like had never heard of mac and cheese ever before <laughs> in their lives. So their version of mac and cheese was just, was just macaroni noodles boiled with slices of craft cheese which is like <laughs> the worst mac and cheese ever but that's like their interpretation of what it was and it was just so different from anything you would get at like the cheesecake factory or the macaroni mm -hmm. grill and I was like uh I see now we are different <laughs> pasta with the cheddar reduction <laughs> yeah basically well I think actually stories like that made me think growing up like I was American but my parents were Chinese and I think that was like the distinction was like, I felt like I grew up American because I spoke English at home and I spoke English with my friends and I went, you know, I learned English as my first language. Um, I mean, I spoke a little bit of Cantonese as like a baby, but like, I mean, English quickly became my dominant language. And so then I, I think I always just felt like my parents were acting culturally Chinese, but I was the American one or like me and my siblings were American. Yeah. Lisa, um, do you have siblings and are you the older or younger child? I'm the older child. Yeah. So I have uh, one younger brother. Um, he's two to three years younger than me. And I say two, two to three, because it depends on what time of the year and whose birthday <laughs> just passed. So I promise I know his age and his birthday. Um, but we were both raised, I think, pretty similarly. I think obviously I have like you know, as like every older child will tell you, or most will tell you, um, the older child kind of has to deal with more of the brunt of like the parenting. So I definitely the same thing happened with me where my parents were a lot more involved in me growing up. Um, they would like check my homework every day and like make sure like I didn't get anything below a 99 or else it was a big issue. And like, if I got a hundred, I had to also ask for extra credit and all that stuff. Um, and they were a lot more lax with my brother. Um, which like growing up, I'm like, dang it, I'm so jealous. You know, like he gets to go out and do whatever he wants and play video games. But I think, I think at the end of the day, it actually ended up working out. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, same. I, I feel those older sibling vibes. <laughs> um, did you guys ever visit the motherland growing up? And do you have any good stories from those trips? Oh, God. <laughs> well, I think instead of visiting, trying to get to the motherland was its own fiasco. Um, the one story I have, and I won't tell the whole thing because it'll take 30 minutes, but was the time where I got me and my family got put on a no fly list because we tried to carry money 
um, out to India to buy furniture, you know, like a rug or an armoire or something. And they thought we were potentially funding terrorists. <laughs> um, so getting getting to the motherland is, is its whole big ordeal. But I think there, um, one thing that um, I really noticed when you're traveling to India, you know, if you're not born there, somehow they can tell that you're not like born in India. Oh yeah. Um, like, I don't, I don't know how they do it. I don't know. Like with, without even me speaking, they'll just know like, yeah, he's, he, he's not from here. Um, and if you ever visit the Taj Mahal, um, they have a separate like price for Indian citizens and non-Indian citizens. That's like an order of magnitude different. So like Indian citizens will have to pay like 20 rupees. And if you're a foreigner, you have to pay like 600 or something. Um, <laughs> And when we were going there, the driver who we had was like, all right. He like looked at my mom, my dad, and uh, my my brother who spent a little bit more time in India than I had. Um, and he was like, you guys can go through like the Indian line, no problem. And then he looks at me and he's like, don't even like open your mouth, just go into like the foreign line because they're gonna know. <laughs> so there was a lot of instances of that where for so- somehow people, they just know that you're not from there. <laughs> yeah, I think the same thing for me when I went to Hong Kong. So I used to go like every other year growing up um, over oh, Christmas wow. break. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, my parents took us back a lot um, just because we had a ton of family there. And that was like the big vacation that we we went on every other year. How long um, is that flight? Oh, man, I think it's t- somewhere between 12 and 16 hours. But oh. now I think it felt a lot longer back then than it does now. Um but yeah, I, I totally feel the same thing where I didn't even need to open my mouth. And, um, a lot of people speak English in Hong Kong too. And so they would just speak to me in English and I'd be like, oh damn, I'm a disgrace. <laughs> but then if they did try to speak to me in Cantonese, I'd also be like, oh shoot, I can't say much in Cantonese <laughs> besides like my boba order. And so please do speak English. <laughs> it's like, how dare you clock me? But also yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What about you, Ellen? Um, yeah, I've I've been able to visit China and Shanghai specifically three times, twice with my family and once without my family to study abroad. And I definitely feel the same how they can tell that I'm like an American. Um, but I think it's funny because in China, especially when it comes to bargaining, I feel like they have like the local price, then mm-hmm. like the Asian American price, and then the like... <laughs> American American price. So at least I got like the second best price of things. Um, but yeah, it would be really funny when I when I was studying abroad. There were obviously like a lot of people from different ethnicities in my program. And then whenever we would take taxis, everyone would automatically like look towards me to talk to the taxi driver. But I wouldn't be able to speak, so I could only say like five words, like point to a place on the map and be like, "Take me there." <laughs> But like my very broken Chinese, but I, I feel like that happens a lot when you're like, no matter what Asian country you're in, your American friends who are not Asian at all will just look to you to translate, even if I'm in like Japan or Taiwan. Yeah, I actually have a very similar taxi story where I tried to go out like on my own to I don't know, like a restaurant or a bar or something when I was a little bit older um, and my parents didn't want to come with me, but I had to memorize where my grandparents lived, like those four Cantonese words so that I could get home at the end of the day. So, cause I, so I could tell the taxi driver, like, please take me here. And I just like kept going over those words in my head to make sure that I like could get home. <laughs> and they're like the only words that I knew. <laughs> I feel like that's actually really brave of you because I've never been in India, like not with my parents or my grandparents or like an aunt and uncle or something who's mm-hmm. like from there too. So if I was ever caught on my own, like I, I would not know how to behave or like how to get home. Yeah. I think Hong Kong's like unique in that a lot of people do speak English there. It's also like pretty, pretty small. Um, and most of like the major like subways and stuff will all have um, English like translations because it was British colonized. Um, and so it's super easy to use the subway system there mm-hmm. and get around. And I could, I just remember like what stop, um, I, like I would have to get off 
to go home or like to my grandparents' home. But then if it, when it's really late at night, then it doesn't run. So you have to take a taxi. Um, so I was like, okay, make sure I remember what it is. Um, but now they have Uber too. So oh. it's like pretty good. <laughs> I think my, my biggest thing of just like traveling in India would be like trying to um, cross the street. Oh my God. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Even, even when I go with my parents, like my mom will only shop one day on one side of the street. And then the next day, when we like go back to the same place, she would just have the rickshaw driver like go to the other side to finish her shopping. Because even she would be like, there's no way I'm crossing the street. Like there's 80 cars coming every second. There's cows and dogs and monkeys everywhere. Like there's absolutely no way. I, I was able to visit India for work like a few years ago and the traffic there just blew my mind. Like people just honk all the time. Like yeah. there's not a problem, but they just like, or they honk to like let you know that they're like coming or they honk to let you know like to go faster or they honk to just be like hey what's up and then at nighttime yeah at nighttime <laughs> I noticed and they use the blinker for the same reason yeah and they just like flash their blinkers and like it keeps clicking and I'm just like what's going on <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually a really good point because um from New Jersey, like if you honk or if you use your blinker, like that's an act of aggression, <laughs> you know, and like you will potentially get like pulled over by the person and like beat up you know um whereas in india just like uh i'm here or yeah. like on your left or on your right you know and so that was also biggest like a huge huge difference for me as well yeah yeah i really want to visit india but i feel like i want to go with the indian person so they can take <laughs> me to all the legit places and because i feel like yeah like compared to hong kong it might be harder to get around without speaking the native tongue um yeah, when I studied abroad, half of my program was actually in Hong Kong. And even like Shanghai is a pretty modernized city, but Hong Kong was still way ahead of the game in terms of diversity and just like obviously speaking English and stuff there. You guys mentioned that you speak a little bit of like uh, the local language. How did you guys like learn that? Um, Cantonese, because my parents just spoke it at home to me. Um, and still to this day, like my mom and I primarily talk in Cantonese, I would say, but then I learned Mandarin through going to Chinese school, like every Saturday for many years. Um, but sad to say that I haven't retained any of it basically. <laughs> and so I would barely say I even speak Mandarin at this point. <laughs> yeah. Same. I, I also went to Chinese school for many gruesome years. Um, but I think most of my Chinese actually comes from just growing up with my grandparents in the house and my parents speaking Mandarin. Um, so I speak and understand Mandarin, but then I can also understand Shanghainese, which is a dialect that my parents and grandparents speak, but I cannot speak it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you speak um, like the native tongue? What yeah. Do you speak? So I speak Gujarati at home, which is... Um, I think it's more than a dialect. Like, it, I, I think it's a different language um, than um, than Hindi, which is like the national language of India. Mm -hmm. So India's interesting in that, like every single state or like region has its own local language. And then there's like a national language. So like all the signs will be in like three different um, like languages. And so I speak Gujarati at home. But um, I learned Hindi from Bollywood movies mostly because like I didn't go to Hindi school or anything. So like that's all to say that it's very poetic, but not useful. So like I don't know how to say where's the bathroom, but I know how to say like my love yearns for you like a thousand suns or something. Um, and um, my issue is I can speak and understand Gujarati really well, but it's like a lot of the words and the conjugations and stuff are so similar to Hindi that I can't speak Hindi because I'll like automatically go back to Gujarati, but I can understand it just fine. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone talks to me, I can like use my body language to, to figure out what's happening, but I can't converse back with them. <laughs> Did you have friends that like that who went to Hindi school in Jersey? Um, Is that, was that a thing? I don't think that was a thing. Yeah. I don't, maybe um, like, I had a few friends who were uh, a little bit more involved in like what we call the mandir or like the temple and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe they had a thing where they had like Hindi lessons and stuff, mm -hmm. but my parents never signed me up for that. I think that was like their thing of like, he needs to be more Americanized. <laughs> so like, 
English and Spanish is what we need to focus on. Gotcha. Um, and then my grandparents like only speak Gujarati. So I was kind of forced to like have some knowledge of Gujarati, you know, even, even until now, if I wanted to like talk to them at all. Mm-hmm. So. One thing that I did notice when I visited India was that a lot of the graffiti was in English. Yeah. And I was very surprised by that. And we tried to ask like our host driver person like what that was about and we were like oh is it people who speak English that are doing this graffiti but he also said that like even Indian people were graffiti in English oh interesting yeah I feel like most of the people at least all my cousins that are in India like they learn everything Mm -hmm. in in English Mm -hmm. so like I know the schooling is there is also divided amongst like there are schools that are like only in Gujarati or Hindi or something Mm -hmm. but they tend to be not as good I think as the ones that um are like English based Mm -hmm. um so I know a lot of like people in India will like preferentially have their children learn English or something so that they can like go to university abroad or like Mm -hmm. you know just be able to like talk to other people outside of India. Polly, um, what she said about the English graffiti reminds me about how in China, you can always buy t-shirts with like random English words on them, <laughs> like live, laugh, love, Lamborghini or some shit. <laughs> Honestly, that's my motto. <laughs> so moving on to the present, what are ways that you are able to connect with your culture now? I think primarily now that I'm no longer living with my parents and at home and with like a larger Indian community, I think it's mostly through um, food um, and Bollywood movies, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Can't can't leave that one out. Um, But yeah, it's mostly through food. I think, you know, my mom growing up, she would cook like every single day Mm -hmm. and Monday to Thursday would always be Indian food. And then Friday to Sunday would be like another culture, like Mexican or Italian or, you know, Chinese or something. Um, And so I think food is a, is a, is a really like salient way that, you know, is a pretty um, like vivid representation of the culture. Plus um, I love cooking with spices and, um, I've been trying to get more into cooking, especially over quarantine, just because it takes so much time. Um, which is also why I like to watch B- Bollywood movies because they're like two and a half, three hours long. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you've really brought the saffron and the turmeric into my life over quarantine. <laughs> and the cumin. And the we, cumin. we go through so much cumin. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, it's because you always use three times the spices that the recipe calls for. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think that is my gift to the world. <laughs> like I, I have not gone back to that. Every time I find a recipe online, I triple all the spices. I've never cooked with one or two cloves of garlic. Like I, I don't oh, know yeah. what that means. You know, it's always oh, yeah. on the order of like seven to eight. Um, I've never cooked with a pinch of something that doesn't make sense to me either. It's always a tablespoon. <laughs> um, how about you guys? Yeah, I guess similarly, it has been um, with food, but also I think through this podcast, that has been one way that um, I think with Polly, we've both been really connecting with our culture um, and just creating the space to think about how we feel and remember um, our culture while growing up. So that's been really interesting and and reflective for me. I guess I also like WeChat my, my grandparents now and I've noticed like how poor my Chinese has become, but I feel like I'm also like learning new phrases through WeChat Translate. You can like very easily translate a message into English. So I'm able to like read all the things that my grandparents type to me, which is nice because I feel like I might not be able to communicate with them as well otherwise. Yeah, I think super similarly to what you guys said, um, And I probably would just add that, like, I think we've, especially like Chinese culture has been lucky in that there's been way more media representation lately too. Um, I mean, obviously we don't have like, I mean, actually there probably is our version of Bollywood where there's just like a Chinese production films in China, but I don't actually watch many of those. There's a lot of Chinese dramas. Yeah. Is there a name for it? Not like Bollywood, I don't think. Got it. Yeah. But at least in American, like Hollywood type films and stuff like Chinese culture, just like Asian culture has been much more like dominant in the last year or two years. And I think that has 
been a great way for me to like be able to connect with my culture too. Do you think it's easier to connect with their culture since you guys are closer with their parents with them living in the Bay Area? Yeah, I would say so, because I did get to visit them like once every couple of weeks um, for the past several years now. And at the very least, like I get to, you know, reconnect with the food because my mom usually tries to cook something that I like. And it's usually something within like Chinese cuisine every time I go back. Um, But then also forces me to like use my Cantonese more and like speak to them in that language. Yeah, I've been visiting my parents even more frequently because I like don't see anyone else during the pandemic. But because these days when I go visit them, I usually bring Yoav, who is not Chinese. My parents don't speak Chinese to me as frequently. And also when they cook, they I feel like they try to cook American foods because they're like scared that he won't be able to eat Asian food, even though he eats Asian food like all the time. <laughs> um, do you feel like your relationship with your culture has changed since you uh, since your childhood? I think so. Yeah, um, I think so. Growing up, you know, I wasn't like, I didn't embrace Indian culture as much as I do now. Um, I think even all like throughout college, even I, I kind of shied away from Indian culture. Um, and I think some of that has to do with like, you know, growing up in a primarily American society, you want to fit in. So like my food is different. It smells different. It looks different. You know, Indian food is very like ugly, delicious and that like it tastes great, but doesn't look the most appetizing. Um and so, yeah, I, I really did try to shy away from Indian culture growing up, whereas now I think I like embrace it a lot more. You know, I, I am Indian. I love the food. I love the dancing. I love the movies. I love the songs and all that stuff. So how about you? Yeah, super similarly. I, I was like neutral at best to sometimes being like embarrassed of being Chinese or right. being Asian growing up. And now like, I feel like I'm very proud of it. And like, you know, this is what I identify as and I like, you know, want to have a Chinese tea ceremony, like when I get married and like all that kind of stuff. And so it's definitely changed a lot from when I've grown up. Yeah. I think, um, I've been trying to like share the culture a lot with more people. Like you said, like, um, I know before the pandemic, I had, uh, Yoav, Ellen and two of our other friends over and I cooked Indian food for like the first time ever, which was like a huge deal for me. And then like, they loved it. And so I was like, all right, great. Like that's a, that's like a step in the right direction. Um, and I definitely want to do more of that, you know, after, obviously after this pandemic is over. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I may be a little different from you guys and that I think I've become a lot more American as I've grown up. Like, I feel like growing up, I was just like, dude, Chinese is the way of life. No rice, no life. <laughs> like I didn't know anything else. Um, but as I've grown up, I think I've become more aware of the differences and more aware of what it's like being Asian American versus just being Asian and also just more aware of the history of Asian Americans in this country. Um, And it's interesting because I think I'm actually a lot more aware of my actions now than I was growing up or as a child. I think you bring up a great point in like, there's a difference between Asian and Asian American, you know, or like being from the place versus being part of like the diaspora, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, I think at least, you know, looking at Indian American culture, um, it's so different from Indian culture, you know? And so like, even though the roots are similar, like if you're part of a diaspora, like things change and things evolve. If you're in a new place, you kind of like combine cultures and try to fit in and to assimilate, but also maintain your own cultural identity. Are there ways where you feel like you diverge from traditional culture or aspects of your culture, ethnicity that you haven't adopted? Yeah, I guess one big way is that I'm dating a white guy. (laughs) And sometimes I look back and I'm like, please forgive me, Buddha, for I have sinned. Because I don't want to fit into that stereotype of like Asian girls dating white guys, even though I am. Um, I like I hope we still have some individualistic characteristics of our relationship as opposed to other Asian female, white male relationships. Um, But yeah, that's definitely one way I think that I've diverged from, you know, perhaps what my parents thought I would grow up and become or who I would date growing up. Yeah, I mean, I have a similar story in that I'm also dating a white guy right now, but I guess I never really thought about it that much until I think it's like super prevalent, especially in San Francisco, where you see that like 
stereotype. Um, but I've also dated like people of different ethnicities, like in my past. And so it wasn't a huge, like, I didn't, I didn't think very much of it. I think when I, when I started dating Casper, um, but yeah, I think other than that, I think I spend money a little bit more freely than the way like my parents were growing up and, uh, you know, them just being very frugal and very money conscious. Like I definitely have learned to like treat myself a little bit more with like the money that I make. And so I think that's definitely one way where I've diverged. Yeah. I also date a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's, it's not, it's not about like, oh, I, I don't want to date white men. It's more like, I don't want to become just a stereotype because I think it is such a big stereotype in the Bay Area. And the way it is stereotype, it makes like the Asian counterpart seem more meek and more giving or more lo- less than, yeah, less than the white counterpart, which which I don't want to become. Yeah, I think um, like being queer in like Indian American culture is like definitely interesting to navigate. Um, because I think like, especially, I think mostly after like the British, like conquest of India, the culture became a lot more conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, historically actually like, you know, Indian culture is very like accepting of the trans community and queer community. Like a lot of the gods are like LGBTQ or, you know, there's, there's a part where, um, you know, if, if you, if you have a newborn baby, you, you have someone uh, who's called a hedra, which is, uh, who's part of the transgender community come in and bless the child. So there are certain aspects of that, which, you know, I kind of latch onto, like, I think that's super interesting, but then also like largely, I think Indian culture tends to be very, um, like I said, conservative and straight. Mm-hmm. So like the typical path is like, you know, you reach your early to mid twenties, you get married, you have kids before 30. And then that's like the life path. And like, that's, I'm not doing any of that. Um, not married yet. Um, don't plan on having kids. So I think that's a big way that I diverge from, you know, a lot of the traditional aspects of my culture. Um, and then also, yeah, like Polly said, I, I spend a lot more money than my parents would. <laughs> <laughs> like I have um, a, a plastic surgery fund that I'll use <laughs> in my late 20s to mid 30s that I don't think my parents would ever even have. <laughs> Hey, you don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, true, true. There's true. still time. <laughs> um, do you think any of these, I guess, like digressions from traditional culture have changed your relationships with your parents? I think that we are more friends now. And I think I've talked about this a little bit in the past. And I think that in this way, they've also become a little bit more Americanized as I've gotten older. Um, I think that being said, there are still many times where like, they're like, I'm the parent, you're the kid. And there's that like authority, I guess, that is very traditional within, you know, Asian communities, um, which I think is a little bit different when you look at like American or like white families. Um, I think I've also gotten closer with my parents. I think, um, as I've like just embraced Indian culture a lot more, like, um, I'll routinely FaceTime my mom for like two and a half hours to have her like walk through like a recipe when I'm like making it and stuff because it's so complicated. Or like I'll send my dad like cricket news or something, even though I don't watch it. I know he watches it religiously. Um, So I'll just like send him, you know, like an article or something just to like have something to talk about. Um, So I think it's created a lot of like points of commonality, I think, um, which is nice. Yeah, I, I think having Yoav be around my family um, has really boosted the relationship in a way. Um, he is a very open person, almost too open at times. <laughs> uh, but I think it has allowed my family to kind of like relax their shoulders a little bit and be more jokey, drink a little more wine than they normally would um, and be more open. Like Yelov is the one that actually told my parents about this podcast. I feel like it's something that I would never bring up until like very far down the line. And they started listening to this podcast because Yelov had told them about it. Yeah, I think um, also something that I've noticed as I've gotten older is actually like going back into some of the habits that my parents taught me or like did growing up, like keeping nice 
plastic bags or like <laughs> boxes that I get in the mail um, and like hoarding those. I feel like that's a super like Asian thing that my parents did that I did not understand growing up. And now I'm like, but this plastic bag is 10 cents, you know? So I have to like <laughs> hold on to it and just like small habits like that. I've noticed that like I, I do what my parents did growing up. I think plastic bags are actually 25 cents and paper bags are 10 cents. Oh, oh my God. Even more reason to hoard them <laughs> yeah. in the plastic bag drawer. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see um, that TikTok of how, like, you know, that place under the oven that's meant for like keeping food warm? Oh, I feel like every for? Asian, yeah, every Asian family is not the store? plastic bags there. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, that's where we put all our, like, um, pans yeah. and, like, uh, sheet trays. sheets, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wire racks No, it's, it's for it's for keeping food warm. Oh. For what? You just eat it. But it's, like, so close to the floor. <laughs> I know. I was like, how <laughs> food do you even fit there? I bet it's all dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I keep, like, all the, like, the plastic containers that, like, takeout comes in. Oh, me in. too. I, like, yeah. wash it by hand and then keep it. Now I have a box full of plastic containers. <laughs> oh, I will say that is one way that I'm different now is that I actually use the dishwasher. Oh, and oh yeah. And we only use that as the drying rack growing up. And even now, I mean, my parents don't use the dishwasher. They still wash everything by hand because they don't trust it. So <laughs> Same. I love me a good dishwasher and we never used it growing up. And I I, I don't understand why anymore because it, it gets out everything. Yeah. 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 Great. I think, yeah. Um, going back to your earlier point, one thing um, that <laughs> happened growing up that like I don't do anymore is you can never trust a yogurt container in an Indian household because it'll never contain yogurt. It'll contain like oh. curries or like literally anything else <laughs> other than yogurt. But now I only use yogurt containers for yogurt. <laughs> cool. I think we'll move on to the future. How are you going to try to pass down your culture to your family? So I don't, I'm probably not going to have anyone to pass it <laughs> down to, but I think I've been trying to kind of pass it on a lot more, um, like to my friends and coworkers and stuff. And so I think food is a big one for that. I also want to get people more involved in like the large festivals, um, like Diwali or Holi, or there's one that happens in February called Uttaran, where you like fly, um, like kites, um, on your rooftop and the goal is to cut other people's like kites off oh with I've like read kite the string yeah yeah exactly um kite runners and the, are really sad <laughs> really sad i know um but yeah and then like another part of that is like <clears throat> you have these like paper like lanterns that you like light a little like tea tea candle and then you like set it up so i think those are like really fun ways to get people involved mm -hmm. um because you know it's just like a massive party basically but you know in holy you throw color and in diwali you do fireworks mm -hmm. so i think that's a fun way to get people involved yeah i actually am so glad you brought that up because i absolutely would love to celebrate like more of like the indian holidays that you may have celebrated growing up and i definitely think that's like one way where i've tried to pass it on I guess to you guys it's like celebrating Lunar New Year and like doing the potlucks and yeah, stuff I've learned and, so much from those so <laughs> super appreciated <laughs> yeah and there are also a lot of Chinese holidays that like we don't celebrate but are super fun that I did growing up like 15 days after Chinese New Year is like the Lantern Festival and mm -hmm. actually you don't like the ones that like like float off but you just like light little lanterns and just have them outside and I honestly forgot that I did that as a kid <laughs> we did celebrate it but it's just been a really long time um, and then there's like dragon boat festival where we eat these like zongzi. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like Ellen's grandma lotus, them lotus all the time. Leaf. Yeah, my grandma. <laughs> I, dude, I have like ten in my fridge right now. We just had them for dinner yesterday. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think holidays is such a fun way to to pass on your culture. Yeah, I think travel is definitely one way that I like to connect with my culture um and I love traveling with friends too because I think Polly you said this before but there is a lot more 
at least Chinese representation in American culture these days. So it's exciting to know that, you know, my friends and whoever might come through my life in the future will get a piece of that. But I think it's also important to experience what Chinese culture is like in China and just remember Mm -hmm. where it came from or learn about where it came from. Um, So yeah, I would love to travel again when we are all vaccinated and <laughs> other countries allow us into their land. I think I was super lucky in that my parents brought me back to Hong Kong so much growing up and it was a really good way for me to connect to my culture. Although I did get really sick of dim sum there. <laughs> and every time I like left, I was like, I don't want to eat dim sum for like a year. And now I really miss it. But yeah, I think if I have kids and, you know, I have them the resources to like, I would love to take them um, back to Hong Kong and just, you know, see where their parents grew up and, or sorry, my parents grew up, their grandparents, I guess. So, yeah. Is there a pervasive like culture of like, songs and stuff um like not traditional chinese songs but like more like modern pop almost yeah there is c-pop oh nowhere near as popular as (laughs) k-pop no but like um there was there's like a really famous musical artist like chinese musical artist called jay chow yeah Um, i don't know that he's still makes me he's like I don't know what he's up to old now I yeah he might be like 40 or 50 or something but he was really big when i was like a kid um and I'm sure there are people Tonghua. now, but actually, I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple like really famous songs, but oh I my think, god, like, J Chow's 42. <laughs> That's not that old. I You're right, like, but I swear like, he's 20 DJs in my older. mind. <laughs> <laughs> what about in um in culture? Yeah, so most of the songs are like movie soundtracks, mm-hmm. which. I haven't seen elsewhere. Like there's no, in, there's very few independent artists. Um, most of the super popular songs are like in the random, like middle part of a movie, they'll just break out into a dance and song um, like sequence that like marginally moves the plot along, <laughs> but not really. Um, and so like, that's big. Um, so most of the songs that you hear from Bollywood are part of movies. Mm. Um, which is always interesting to see the music videos because seeing them outside of a movie, it just does not make any type of sense. (laughs) Did you learn any types of like Indian dance or anything growing up? Yeah, I didn't. I wish I did. Um, because I feel like there's so much variety. There's a traditional dance. Mm -hmm. There's more like hip hop fusion, which I feel like is becoming a lot more of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, especially in like workout classes. Yeah. I feel like they incorporate a lot of like Indian music in there just because it tends to be very like fast and like upbeat and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, unfortunately I didn't, I wish I did. Oh, we should go take a class. I know (laughs) we totally should. Yeah. It's so fun. What do you think is changing about your ethnicity's representation in America? I think, I, I think it's being embraced a lot more. Um, and just like, um, I guess knowledge of the culture is a lot more prevalent. Um, Like, you know, I'll kind of use the two examples of like yoga is the big thing now and everyone does yoga, you know, which was like a traditionally like Indian kind of a spiritual, you know, um, slash workout activity. And then um, the other thing is um, like turmeric. (laughs) Turmeric is huge in like lattes and stuff. Like there's all these like turmeric lattes which is so wild to me because turmeric and milk or holy dude is what it's called in Gujarati slash Hindi. Um, it was like given to you when you were sick. So like, I don't know, maybe if I have a taste aversion to it, just because every time I had it, I was sick, but, um, things like that, you know, um, I feel like in, um, Indian food as a whole is a lot more embraced now. There's all these like Indian burrito fusion places and like uh, just, you know, a lot more Indian restaurants. Trader Joe's um, chicken tikka masala. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, the Suki's thing at Costco, which is also pretty oh, good. Yeah. Um, I'm not sponsored, but if you want that, <laughs> definitely get it. Um, what's, what's really interesting is it's a very specific part of Indian food that has made its way into America. Uh, so if you go to like, like the motherland, it's all, it's very different than what people think of Indian food here. Um, it's actually a lot less like curry and non-based mm. and a lot more of like, just like, um, like really sauteed vegetables or like fried doughs and stuff. So, um, it's really interesting to see what parts of Indian culture have made its way here and what, you know, parts have yet to come. Um, 
Yeah, very similar. It's, it's, I think Chinese culture is just a lot more prevalent in America. Um, growing up, there was like one boba shop in the whole city, which was Quickly's, this chain restaurant. And now there's like 10 boba shops, probably within a five mile radius of me right now. Um, similarly, a lot more Chinese fusion food in the neighborhood, uh, which I think it's really great to see it become more common, but I think it's important for everyone to keep in mind to be respectful of the culture and not appropriate the culture, as we mentioned before. Um, I definitely, definitely think there is a way to bring Chinese culture into America in a respectful way. I don't think that happens all the time right now, but I, I truly believe that's possible. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, overall looking forward to all that will come. Yeah, I feel very similarly. And I, it's super exciting to me, like, especially when you watch Netflix now, there, there's so much more Asian representation um, on screen. And like, yeah, now you can't have like an Asian male lead that is the romantic, like, what is it called? Like lead, I guess, in, in a rom-com or something, or um, they'll, they'll just cast, you know, Asian people in normal roles now that aren't like the nerd or the kung fu master or like whatever right like they can just be normal people now um but yeah similarly to what you were saying uh ellen is like i think with all this rise in representation um or rise in prominence you also could then get like bastardization of your culture um like super early this year there were like these white women in texas that came out with like their own version of mahjong basically and like I won't get into it, but basically they're just trying to profit off this like extremely shitty version of like their take on Mahjong. And it basically raised a lot of like flack in the Asian community, um, rightfully so. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a double edged sword. Is that the saying? Something like that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I feel like half the battle is just like knowing the history behind something, you know, like, if they had just known that like Mahjong has this rich history in China, maybe they wouldn't have like bastardized it or something. Maybe they would have, but <laughs> maybe not. Or like knowing like the history of yoga in India, you wouldn't have all these places are doing like goat yoga or, you know, all, all that stuff. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's like not the way to do it. You know, like that, that is not it. <laughs> or like, you know, at least I've, I've seen a lot of people who like, they'll go to Burning Man or like to festivals and they'll have like a bindi or like a third eye and all that. And it's like, come on, like, let's, <laughs> let's not do this. <laughs> Please. It's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's also been cool seeing, um, like a lot of hole in the wall shops are really popular. Like that are very authentic Chinese or other Asian foods. Um, also on Netflix, like you mentioned how we see Asian actors in, normal roles but it's also been really cool to see like korean dramas on netflix and chinese movies chinese dramas on netflix because it means that it's fine just the way it is and that there's still space for that in its original form in america which i think is really cool so to wrap up this episode what is something that you want to try from our culture and then i guess vice versa so we'll talk about you know stuff we want to try in yours yeah, I think the the biggest one, and I think you guys alluded to earlier, was I want to visit China. Mm -hmm. um, I've never had a chance to go. I've actually never been to any East Asian country. Um, and so I think like just being there and like soaking everything in would be like the best way. But I think back here, um, middle of a pandemic, can't travel right now. <laughs> um, I think the best ways that at least I want to do it, you know, I'm definitely going to listen to C-pop, like you mentioned. <laughs> um, definitely going to we go on Spotify. We need to do like a karaoke night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, also the food, I think. Um, I've started a little bit of that, um, especially with you guys, because you guys, like, I know a while ago, Ellen made this amazing... Um, was it a Japanese seafood pancake? I forgot what it was called. Oh yeah. It was yeah. okonomiyaki. It was like Japanese so good. pancake kind of. So, so good. But there, I feel like there's just so much of like, you know, East Asian culture that I just don't know about. And because, you know, the food hasn't made its way over or that part of the culture hasn't made it made, made its way over that I think I definitely want to spend a little bit more time, you know, 
taking that stuff in. Well, I really want someone to invite me to their Indian wedding. <laughs> I've been waiting all my life for this. Um, but yeah, just because I feel like an Indian wedding is so rich in Indian culture. Um, and it's even different, like North Indian versus South Indian, right? Nisu, I think you right, mentioned right. before. Um, so I feel like it's a really fun way to immerse yourself in that culture even if it's just for a day or I guess a couple days depending on how many events I was gonna say it's never for a day like only two weeks minimum (laughs) of of a time commitment Um, and yeah, Nisa, you talked about how you cooked us Indian food before and I definitely want to try uh, more Indian food outside the sphere of paneer soft paneer and (laughs) butter chicken (laughs) yeah I think similar to Ellen I would love to go to an Indian wedding um one for like all the cool little games that are played (laughs) and then then also definitely for like the dancing um and yeah if we could take a dance class in any form of Indian dancing after this I think that'd be super fun oh for sure um and I'm sure you would crush it so yeah, that is definitely something that I'm looking forward to. Um, and then you mentioned earlier, just being able to celebrate like the different holidays, I think would be really cool. Cause, um, at my old company, we did do like a celebration for Diwali. Mm-hmm. Um, and my coworker who's Indian, she like brought a bunch of her like saris in for us to like wear. And it was really cool. Um, because she's like, yeah, this is like how you like put it on. And like, you know, you have to, she even like brought us like these really like big gold sparkly earrings and stuff. She's like, you have to wear the jewelry. Um, and then she like worked with HR to get like all this food catered for it too. And oh, wow. all these different types of desserts too, which I feel like they all ended up being like nut based. Like they were all the yeah. same, like nut based. But just in slightly <laughs> like different, different forms. shapes. Yeah, yeah. colors yep. and like textures kind of. <laughs> um, but it was so much fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, all the other ones that you mentioned too would be really fun to celebrate. So definitely looking forward to it. I think what, one other thing is I want to um, hone in my mahjong skills oh, uh, yeah. since you taught me how to play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nowhere near good enough, but yeah, it's been I a just while. start like, strategizing. <laughs> we, should, we should get together and play sometime. <laughs> I do want to learn the appropriate terms for things. I think oh, yes. we kind of made up our own yes. um, in the interim, <laughs> um, but yeah. Cool. So I think this brings us to the end of our episode. Um, Nisu, can you tell the listeners where they can find you on social media? Unless oh, you yeah. don't want them to find you. <laughs> no, yeah. So um, on Instagram, I am Tiranisu. So like Tiramisu, but with an N, Tiranisu94. And you can find us at Yellow Noise Pod on Instagram. So feel free to leave us a comment or DM if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.